Welcome to Protect Our Past, where we value the historic identity of Cape Cod and the islands and are implementing solutions to turn around the tide of demolition. And why? Because once it's gone, it's lost forever. Hard as you may try, you cannot build an historic house. Think about it. I'm Ellen Briggs, founder and president of this nonprofit, and please check us out at protectourpast.org. And yay, we are a 501c3. Yeah, go ahead and do the yeah, drum roll. <laughs> we need to get your real drum, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so happy to have Matt Holden here. He's our Mr. Personality as the co-host. And Matt, it's another great day on Cape Cod. Even it though, is, Ellen. It's great to be here. But it's cold outside. It is. But there's something alluring about the great outdoors of the Cape in the winter. What is it? I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but it's great to be here. Well, awesome that you're here as well. And let's introduce our guest. Yes, another special guest. So, folks, if you want to know anything about a historic house, the man to call is our guest today, Fred Ecker. Fred is the resident expert, the Ask Jeeves, the Shell Answer Man. He is a preservation conservator, and he is the man to call if you have an, a historic house that needs evaluation and restoration. Fred isn't just any guy. His legacy accomplishments include Monticello and the White House. So, Fred, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to be with us on WOMR. I understand you're in Georgia right now, so at some point during our program, we'd like to talk a little bit about the work you're doing down there. Okay. Be more than willing to. Well, let's start with that. Start with the the tabby structure. Explain uh, what tabby is. I'm in a little town, Darien, Georgia. We're on the coast. Uh, for people that don't know where Darien, Georgia is, it's sort of just north of Jekyll Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people know where that is. It's an exit right off of Route 95. Uh, we're right in the middle of shrimp boat country on the water. Uh, lined up shrimp boats right in front of our project. Um, Darien was very much like Savannah. For anybody who really knows Savannah, it was a uh, maritime town originally. Warehouses all along the river, a um, lot of trade, a lot of economy. Darien was like that uh, in its early days back in the plantation era. Cotton, uh, rice, that whole industry. Um, then eventually, a little later on, uh, when uh, that culture changed, uh, it became a, a, a lumber industry in a huge way. In fact, at one, during that period, and that would be the, uh, the mid-19th century, it had uh, the largest bank in Georgia. And if you were to look at now, it's just a tiny little town. So you never would have known how huge it was at one time. Aligning the river were what are called tabby warehouses. Tabby is a, an architectural material made up of oyster shells, lime, and sand with water. It's, it's poured, it's constructed very much the way we, uh, we build concrete buildings today. We pour it in lifts. Uh, there were some 20 plus of these warehouses along the river at one time. Uh, <clears throat> through the years, there have been two major fires. One, the last one post just civil war. Uh, our warehouse, the one we're working on, is the only one left. The rest are all in ruins. Uh, this one had a demolition permit on it when we started. Um, a very general couple from Atlanta bought the property and saved it. It was under a demolition permit. It was considered one of the most uh, historic structures or threatened structures in Georgia. 
Uh, I've been working on this project for going on two and a half years now. It took us a year and a half just to stabilize the walls alone. We're now in the process of really uh, building the brewery and restaurant inside of it. Uh-huh. So just so I'm clear, Fred, so the tabby, is it like a slurry type material or a mortar that was comprised of oysters and other local materials? Yes. Yeah, so so it, it, it's comprised, it, it, it's like concrete. You, okay. In the same the way we pour concrete, yes. Uh, not quite as thin, though. Um, in the process, really, what's the, the way they started to make the lime, you just didn't go to the store and buy lime back then. Uh, they, they built these large wooden kilns filled them with oyster shells, the process then turns the, the oyster shells into what's called quicklime, uh-huh. then mix the quicklime with water again, and it turns into a putty. It goes through a very, very uh, intense process. It uh, heats up to an amazing temperature. It's, it's like bubble, bubble, coil trouble. I mean, it, it's, it steam pours all over the place, uh, but it eventually turns into a cold putty which then mixed with sand and, and crushed shell and whole shell becomes a solid material. Wow. So when they start brewing beer, Ellen, I think it's time for a road trip. Oh, no kidding. It's going to be, a, it's an opening I am not going to miss. But I saw this building when they first started, and it was leaning way to the right. I mean, you can't even imagine how. And it still, it's still is. Still, still listening to Starbird a little bit? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> probably 11 and a half inches out of plumb. Um, wow. We, we moved the walls as far as we could, about nine and a half inches with 20-ton jacks and a very sophisticated system shoring everything up, which I won't get into, but it was a pretty interesting process. We just did that two weeks ago. And we're actually going to probably start pouring tabby in some of the mi- missing sections, which not many people do. Um so that's sort of exciting. Uh, I was just talking to the owner of the company today, and I think that's what we're going to be working on uh, after the holiday. Uh-huh. Would you please okay. film that? Because that's so unique. We should have a little pop reel about that, get somebody to film. That's unusual and interesting. Um, and we can go on and on and on. Let's bring it about, back to Cape Cod. Yeah, well, I, wanna, I know everybody wants yeah. to know what he did in the White House because okay. that's pretty unusual. So share with us what you did in the White House, and then we're coming to the gate. I can share with you what I can. Okay. Oh, right. Um, yeah, there are things that I cannot share. Um, but the, <clears throat> probably the most interesting thing uh, there is the Park Service brought us in to help develop a way to restore the original windows, uh, which the windows are one of the few original fabrics left other than the walls themselves. I don't know, many people have seen, there's a photograph uh, of the White House with a bulldozer in the basement, and you're looking up three stories high with not a thing inside. So um, what you see now is basically reconstructed, except the 18th century windows. So they brought us in to develop a plan to restore them. And uh, we worked with them for about six months. We were up in the private office, George Bush's office, and um, successfully restored four of them at the time i guess it was four and uh eventually the rest our plan was accepted and then the park service took over our plan and and did the rest so this was a little more involved than just simple glazing and uh, linseed oil huh oh no yeah a lot more a lot more (laughs) but fully functional and and secured without going into any great detail Mm -hmm. um the next thing we did was we uh after that that was for uh, george bush senior um and interestingly enough uh, when we took his office apart, uh, there were still curtains in the office. And um, as we took the curtains down, 
uh, two jelly beans rolled out from the previous uh, president, which is sort of interesting. Huh. Uh-huh. We all uh, Reagan love jelly beans. So that was sort of fun. I still have the jelly beans. You um, do? How funny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the next thing then, we were brought in by the Clinton administration to uh, create the Hillary Clinton Sculpture Garden. Um, so that was an interesting project, not necessarily restoration, other than it was all done with handmade brick and uh, and, and, and in a historic sort of fashion. So you, not- you are such an example of how um, restoration is possible on all fronts, basically. I think you have you probably have an example of about every um, every opportunity that one can imagine that demolition is not worth it, that restoration is the way to go. Yes. Um, so we're talking about historic buildings now and the restoration thereof. I, I sort of was born into this trade. I was raised in historic buildings in Connecticut. Um, my family were some of the first families on Cape Cod. Um, so it's sort of in my blood. Um, I started out as a furniture conservator and loved doing that, but I couldn't really make a decent living at it. So I ended up working on buildings. Um, I went to school and tried to get a preservation degree. And about into my second year, my business took off to the point where I just couldn't finish school. And uh, as it turned out, I I guess I really didn't need to. It was great. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, Cape Cod has always it's been in my family, like I said, from multiple generations. I've got two family members that came over on the Mayflower. We were some of the first families of Cape Cod. I descend down through the Thatchers and the Searses, and then from there, it's all the old Nickersons and Eldridges and, you know, every family on the Cape that you can think of. So, uh, so that's sort of my background on bringing us to the Cape. Um, one other interesting thing is my grandmother with her brother in 1936 bought an old lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh we have been the caretakers of that for many, many years now. We have uh, memorialized it to the way it was when my grandmother died and have refused to change it one stick. So uh, it still has no power. We have a hand pump for water, uh, an outhouse, uh, and it's just a great place to go relax. <clears throat> That's great. And I think that is uh, a lighthouse that a lot of people uh, think of when they uh, think of Cape Cod. Um, I've, Ellen was talking a little bit about, you know, the eco-responsibilities that we have in, in historic preservation of, of homes. Um, and some people think that it is more eco-responsible to build a new house than to restore an old older one. And, and would you agree with that? Uh, it's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. I mean, just about at the moment you're demoing a building, uh, you're throwing away all that carbon that was utilized to build it. And when you're building a new one, you're, you're creating new carbon. So, no, it's, it's quite the opposite. And historic buildings are <clears throat> interesting. They have stories. There's details in them that you just can't reconstruct now in any sort of reasonable way. Um, and, and I can say I live in, I've, I've lived in historic buildings my whole life. I mean, I've never lived in, well, I did live in one in the, that was built in the 60s for a short period of time. But uh, the one we live in now, I, everybody that comes to visit it is just in awe because it's just full of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be putting a small addition on the back of the house, which, uh, you know, reasonable people, that's, that's what you do. You, you, you add what you need for the way we all live now, uh, but we have memorialized the, the rest of it. Uh, not to say we don't use it, we use every bit of it, but our modern kitchen and laundry and that sort of thing is, is going to be new uh, because uh, those spaces really weren't 
part of the original architecture mm-hmm. floor plan. Fred, let me ask you a question. So you're, you know the historic landscape of the Cape probably better than anybody. In your opinion, what are some properties that people may be familiar with, whether it's down on the canal end of the Cape or the uh, outermost part of the Cape that uh, are in eminent threat of, of destruction? And Well, uh, I'm not going to discuss any particular buildings. Okay. But what's really interesting about the Cape and why I was so attracted to move here, uh, my wife and I have lived here now full-time for about 10 years, is if you drive down 6A uh, and do a little research, it's the most continuous, longest historic district in the United States. Uh, so that road is just, if you're into historic buildings, it's like eye candy. I'm surprised more people <laughs> don't get in. You go, your eyes go left, they go right, they go left, they go right. Um, but all of that is overseen by what's, what we call Old Kings Highway. Each town on the Cape has a committee of, of locals that oversee um, changes to the houses within that within their district. In fact, my wife's on one of those committees. Uh, but what's interesting is that we're starting to get this movement of people coming in from out of state and they don't quite, uh, they don't quite understand the charm. They get attracted to it. Uh, that's what brings them here, but they want to change it and they want to make it more like their suburbia homes that they left. Um, so even with the protections in place, it is becoming harder and harder. It's, it's almost a fight every week now to keep these buildings uh, looking the way they, they, they should. Well, I think you've just, well, we're all aware this, this is why we have Protect Our Past, and we go to our website, protectourpast.org, and you can learn more. But we are working very hard for solutions to wake people up. One of the films, which we've talked about a lot on this show, uh, Love Letter to Cape Cod and Life Rings, and we have another one uh, on the that, way, on the way, uh, which will be the stories of these wonderful houses. Uh, but uh, we also have some solutions, and one of them um, you and I work on together. We call it the Historic House Evaluation, but really our our preferred title is the Rescue Plan. So maybe you can touch on that for us, Fred. Sure. Well, it, it sort of started out with us trying to work with people that had demolition thoughts for historic buildings when they bought them. And our goal was to try to meet with them, uh, make them realize how important the building was, even though they might have been abandoned looking or in rough shape. Uh, demolition by neglect, that's sort of a big problem for a lot of these historic buildings. So we go in and we try to point out all the important features and details of the building, um, try to help them understand what it would take to maybe build the addition on the back that, that I talked about that we're going to be doing in our house, um, but try to preserve the front facade or, or, the, or the, the street facade, uh, because that's really the identity, identity of the Cape Cod. <clears throat> and we've had some successes. Uh, we've a couple of buildings now that were on the demo list have not yet been. Um, it's the owners have gone back and made a, had a second look and redesigned. So uh, that's sort of the basis for that plan. Mm-hmm. And it's working. But we also, and this is for all the listeners, if you are in a historic house, and remember, historic can be in the state and the country 50 years, in the state of Massachusetts, it's 75 years. So you have a wonderful historic house, and you want to know more about it. You want us to come in and evaluate the details and tell tell its story through its construction. Uh, Fred and I will do that for you. Just 
email me, ellen at protectourpast.org. We'll send and, in the pop SWAT team. All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> and maybe we'll bring Adam along and you know determine if there's any, any paranormal activity. Ooh, we could do that. So, um, But it's important. We find that fine, and Fred, you can confirm this. Uh, when people learn what they have, they're much more respectful of it and are more inclined to come up with a plan that does not destroy it, but as you are doing, add on to it without that destruction. So please, please contact us if you are interested in knowing the story about your house. Fred can yep. look at anything. I was with him the other day at a house, and he said, oh, that's where the buttery was, and this is the, this is the boarding room. And this happened over here. I mean, he just can see everything by walking in the room, right, Fred? Well, yeah, I, it's, I try to point out the things to owners that maybe they don't know or yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that's what's fun because, you know, the, the, the cli- I call them clients. Um, they sort of look at me like, oh, wow, I never realized that. Or yeah. I'll point out a particular molding profile or a... Yeah, I was going to say, Fred, and I apologize for interrupting, but yeah, what would be another example of of things that people would just overlook that they look at every day and you know didn't realize? Like, gee, I didn't know the significance of bullseye molding, for example. Um, well, I brought up with uh, this client we met with last week. We we started talking about their fireplaces, and I looked at them and I said, "These are classic Rumford fireboxes," and they sort of looked at me like, you know what's this crazy Rumford term? Well, there's a guy named Count Rumford back in the late 18th century that redesigned fireboxes. Uh, so they, they actually heated rooms and were efficient. So a lot of the federal period, uh, colonial fireboxes during the federal period were converted to Rumford boxes. Uh-huh. It's a small little thing, uh, but you know, it's an, it's an interesting detail and it can help you date a house too. Yeah. Uh, and every house many a colonial house I've gone into and we've restored it back to an earlier period. And lo and behold, behind the Rumford box is this gigantic thing. That's like, you know, six feet long and four feet high. So, cause they, they were for cooking primarily not heat. So every house has a legacy and that's what, that's what it reveals when you go and take a really good look. So we're happy to do that for you. I, I want to get back to wood because nobody knows wood like, you know, wood, at least from my well, point of view. No wood like I do. I can deal with old wood. You do. Oh. So I, I unfortunately well, have to deal with new wood too. Which well, tell us trouble. where this new wood is really coming from. I, you know, in the film we say it's tropical, but give people the real skinny on what's happening when we. Well, first of all, let's talk about what the woods of these houses are. Historic homes were built. They were built out of the original timbers, which were very slow growing because they didn't have any competition. The new forests that are planted now are planted so closely that they, they grow as fast as they can to try to get sunlight. Uh, the wood lacks any strength or integrity whatsoever. Um, historic buildings also are timber framed as opposed to uh, stick frames. So when you timber frame a building, it involves mortise and tenon construction, which is an amazingly strong sound building. That's why you see so many historic buildings on the Cape still, because they're essentially hurricane proof. Um, and that's why I like to live in historic buildings because I feel comfortable in them. I know when I'm going through a nasty storm, I'll wake up in the morning and everything will be fine. Uh, the typical woods now, if you were to go to Home Depot or any building, any modern building place, uh, let's take, for example, trim. You buy wooden trim. Most of it's pre-primed now because what they're really doing is they're hiding lots of little pieces that are glued together with finger joints. 
So it looks pretty on the outside, but when you remove the paint, it's it's junk. It's glue and little pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even of a decent grade. Uh, and and I'll put money on the fact that most of these newer houses that we're seeing now with, with those woods, well, in fact, I know. I've, I've had to work on them in our neighborhood. Windowsills, door frames, window frames, uh, these newer homes, they last maybe 10 years at best, and that's that you keep paint on them. Um, so the modern builders, typical buildings now, are going into polyvinyl, uh, which chloride, which is a nasty chemical, but it's what everybody's using now, vinyl, because wood is so uh, weak right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing the planet a lot of injustice uh, because the stuff is its one of the more dangerous chemicals on this planet, um, especially when you burn it. Um, so polyvinyl chloride, when you buy a new car, does that new car smell? You're smelling that degassing. That's what's happening. And so this stuff degasses into your house. You're living in it. Um, so it's, 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 it's dangerous. Uh, the industry keeps pushing on everybody and builders keep using it. Yeah. Uh, there's another nasty side to it too, is that it, it expands and contracts horribly a lot more than wood. So when it's first built, all the joinery on the exterior, rake boards, corner boards, et cetera, box cornices are nice and tight. Give it two years and you have all these big gaps that open up. So the myth um, is that it's a composite material and it doesn't flex, shrink, expand like wood does, but in fact it does the opposite. It does, does it, the opposite. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, and our old wood, you know, it was, it was <clears throat> I mean, I've worked with timbers that are have 100, 100 rings to the inch. Uh, and that's just amazingly strong original growth wood. Um, now, <clears throat> there's an interesting new wood that's, it's, it's, been on the market now for a number of years now, but it's starting to get recognized more and more, and we're starting to use it. In fact, I'm going to I'm building the doors down here on our project with it. It's called thermal modified wood, and it's real wood. Uh, so you're starting out with something real, and they start out with a good grade of wood, not just junk. Um, and in the process, basically, it, it heats the wood to its kindling temperature, where it would typically burn. Uh, but it but it doesn't burn because it's in an environment that isn't inert. Basically, it's in a chamber that locks, lacks oxygen. So roughly, the average temperature is 420 or higher. And what the process does is it caramelizes the sugars in the wood, which makes it rot-resistant uh, and strong. So there's some interesting things that are coming out, uh, and I'm, I'm working with that now. So we're having to really look hard. The, the other options are, are, you know, like all the wooden shingles you see on the Cape, they're all coming from British Columbia because we don't have any left. Uh, in the United States. Um, the other woods that we're all using are, are the tropical woods, which, you know, the, we've gone through a myriad of different ones through the years, because once one gets discovered and it starts getting timbered, everybody uses it, and before you know it, it's gone. And now I don't know, we're on the third or fourth one right now. I could go back to my history and, 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 and write down all the different ones we've worked with that are now really not available. So, you know, they say they're plantation grown, but that's really marketing. It's not. Yeah. There's not a lot behind that, quite honestly. Nobody so. wants to say it's the green forest that's cut that they're where they're cutting right. this down, and people need to understand that you yeah, got to yeah. go where it is, and that's the only place where it is. So the Alan, bottom line is, let's not demo, demolish these wonderful historic structures. You know, we, let's not rip and replace. Let's restore and enhance. Right, Ellen. Right, yeah. right. We need to work. We need to work with our architects and engineers. Uh, and unfortunately, what's happened now is, you know, if a person wants to tear a historic building down, the very first thing they do is they go to an engineer 
engineer comes in with his little ice pick and he pokes some holes in the wood. Oh, no, this is all dangerous. Uh, you know, tear it down. It's not salvageable. Well, I've made a living off of salvaging buildings that look like they could fall down tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, 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 a, of a different process. And you just you, you, you work on it one timber at a time. Um, and you end up with a beautiful, beautiful building. You can take a historic building, you know, re-insulate them, modernize them, put new plumbing, new wiring in. And you haven't lost anything in doing that. You're, you're, you're ahead of the game, quite honestly. So. Wow. We could talk to you forever and ever. We're going to have to have you back. But right now, it's our time has come to an end. So thank you, Fred, for being our guest today. Sure. And if you want to see Fred in action and hear more of his wisdom, wisdom watch our film Life Rings on our YouTube site. You can all. He's also in Love Letter, Cape Cod. He's a star. What can I say? And I we, know. yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, you are. And we too modest, Fred. Too modest. We love <laughs> scheduling film showings at local organization meetings, libraries, schools, you name it. I will be there. Just contact me, Ellen at protectourpast.org, and we'll set up a time where we can show And our become films. a friend of Pop. Oh, please. Yes, we do are that. now a 501c3, right, Ellen? Yes, yep. ma'am. Yes, sir. So, um, yes, be a, become a friend of Pop. Just go to our website. It's all real clear. I don't care any amount. Whatever you donate to us will be helpful in our journey to protect the past. Amen. So, well, and it's not any of us are taking salaries either, Ellen. You know, I mean, a lot of nonprofits, I mean, that's probably something you ought to talk more about. Oh, that's it's, right. Mm-hmm. This is all volunteers. volunteers. Right, all volunteers. So, folks, thank you for your time today. Be sure to tune in on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 1230 right here on WOMR. You can also listen to our podcast, Protect Our Past, found on the WOMR website. Ellen, it's time to conclude today's program with the quote from Mr. Sawhill. And Is it, it your turn? Yes, I love this quote. In the end, a society will be defined not only for what it creates, but for what it refuses to destroy. Think about it. Until and- next time, folks, and thank you. <laughs>